0: Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Once again, no more excuses. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so we can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right, they're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now.
1: This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents.
0: What's up, guys? This is The Dime. This week, we are breaking down cannabis Mythbusters 2 quality control style. This is the podcast that gives you the blended perspective of the business and science. As always, I'm jo- joined by Kellen, and this week we have the fortunate time of Evan Friedman. Evan, you want to give a little background on yourself?
1: Hi, Brian. Great to be here so i'm evan friedman i am vice president of helma usa and we are involved in the optical analysis industry so we use light to measure the chemical aspects of laboratory samples and process manufacturing uh, in Industries stretching from pharma to petrochemical, food and beverage, uh, agriculture, and uh, cannabis.
0: Awesome, awesome.
1: Let's get into the topic. Like every consumable
0: product, one would assume that cannabis, along with its derivative products, needs to be vigorously tested, not only to ensure that the product is safe and free of contamination, but also to inform the buyer of the contents of the product they are about to consume. With the addition of five newly legalized states into the market, once again, cannabis experts are looking for standardization to improve product safety, consistency, and predictability. With that being said, Evan, what is one misconception consumers have about the cannabis quality control industry?
1: Well, I think uh, one misconception is that quality is based entirely on THC content, and the more THC there is, the higher quality it is. I think that is a a general perception amongst the, the wide consumer base out there, and uh, I'm not really sure how accurate that that is. There's in the last several years, there's been a lot of research into uh, what's been dubbed the entourage effect or the interplay between Uh, Not just THC, but all the cannabinoids as well as the various terpenes of which over a hundred different terpenes have been identified in cannabis plants. And even the flavonoids and uh, some of the lesser compounds that we don't even talk about could be influencing the overall experience and medicinal effects that that an individual gets from, from a plant. So labeling it with just the THC value isn't really useful for the consumer.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that probably the big, biggest misconception is as it relates to labeling and quality control is that there is a robust quality control system implemented in these cannabis companies. And I just don't think that's the case yet. Um, A lot of these companies aren't even required to follow normal CGMP practices that other food industries and nutraceutical industries that are federally legal have to follow, right? In order to manufacture um, a consumable product for the general population. And so you kind of have this um, patchwork of companies throughout every different state that some are following it to a T, some are kind of cutting some corners where they can to save costs and, it creates a large spectrum of different products that hit the market. And I mean, it's, it's pretty relevant. There's been a ton of different studies that uh, people have gone out and um, even CBD, right? You can go purchase 10, 15 different products of CBD and look at the labels and they say one thing. And then when they get them into the labs and start doing the, the, the testing on them and it's not even close to what the labels are saying. So there's some really good articles out there that kind of are studies, if you will, that highlight that. And so um, I think at the end of the day, that that is kind of the, where the industry is, right? It's just the labels, it's 80% of the companies out there. You can't trust the labels.
0: Does that mean your opinion, Kellen, that when you purchase edibles, there's a chance out of the 10 gummies in there, one of them might not be up to the quote unquote standard of the back of the label?
2: I think that for the most part, those days are probably behind us in more mature states. You will see that as an issue in kind of some of the more, in some of the emerging states, some of these new states that just came to mind, if they have operators that are new to the space. But right now, I think that that's kind of behind us. A lot of these states are MSOs now, and they've kind of figured out how to avoid those kind of problems, if you will. What do you think, I, Evan?
1: I, I think... Um... You also have to draw a distinction between uh, marijuana and hemp, because the the way CBD or or hemp cannabinoids are are regulated and managed, they're they're mostly not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so and and there's a lot more product being produced there, and a lot more hands in there, and so there's a lot more opportunity. For, for fraud. I think the, the marijuana edibles, especially the edibles, they, they have testing protocols in these established states. I mean, these five new markets are, are yet to be seen, but uh, in, in these established states, I don't think if you're buying something that's based on an extract, I think you can trust the the certificate, the label a lot more because just because of the homogenized nature of the material as opposed to the plant material itself.
2: Yeah, and I think another um, good point there is, or another point to make is that the consequences for not getting the concentrations of cannabinoids right in the, in the THC space is a lot more significant than not getting them right in the stadium, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> You get one gummy with 10 times as much THC in it, that individual is going to have one heck of a good, or a good time. Or, or, or a bad time. time. Or a bad time.
0: <laughs> so let's break that down, Kellen. How, how do they currently monitor that to make sure that they're within those established potency limits?
2: That is a good question. Um, I'm not actually 100% sure on how that is uh, achieved through food chemistry applications, but I would imagine it's some sort of, um, they have to, they test the, the mixture in process and within food chemistry, um, there's gotta be some robust uh, homogenization methods. I'm not familiar with it, honestly. What, what do you think, Evan? You got, are you familiar I- with something like that?
1: So I am not directly familiar, but based on some experience, I I can take an educated guess at what it might look like. You know, making gelatin is done at an elevated temperature, which helps with the viscosity of the extract that's being used to formulate the, the food chemistry. And then when the temperature's brought down, it sets. So it, it, it would strike me that they could probably mix all the gelatin ingredients and the cannabinoids together to make the final blend that they then put into molds and set, And it would be easy enough to take a sample from that homogenized batch.
2: Yeah. And so I actually, that is exactly how they do it. I was talking to Sean about this, right? I just don't know how they test for quality, right? You know what I mean? So like, I was talking to uh, my buddy Sean, and we were talking about how Wild does it. Actually, Wild's based in in Portland, if you guys were wondering.
1: Yeah, it's Wild with a Y, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all,
2: I know these guys. Another company called Sentia, uh, right? So these Whoa, two. No co-
1: free
0: advertising.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a really interesting um, case study, if you will. So Wild, they all they both mix them in huge hoppers, right? All the ingredients go in. They mix it up for like 45 minutes. They take a sample out probably and send that to the lab to make sure it tests at the correct concentration. And then what Wild does is they then have individuals pour it into beakers and they go pour individual molds, right? Versus Sentia pours it onto a massive skid.
1: Yeah, right? sure.
2: And then the machine just punches them out pretty wild. But my, my point is that I don't know where the QA, QC is in that process to make sure that as you're, say, as you're pouring the gelatin mixture yeah. out the lab, like, how do you know that it's staying homogenized within that chamber, right? And so <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what they're doing. And I mean, I think that could be potentially an application where some spectroscopy could be implemented there, right? Maybe put a sensor that could measure those. Is that even possible, Evan?
1: To be con- Thanks for listening to today's show.